One Hope Church. Worship the Lord together and to praise the holy name of Jesus, um, to give praise to God our Father in the love and power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we just pray this morning we would be filled with the Spirit, that we would learn um, from the Word of God, that God would teach us, that He would empower us, and as we leave this place today, um, we would be encouraged in our walk with Jesus and encouraged to share you know, the love of Jesus with others. Um, and so let's go again to the Lord um, in prayer, and then we're going to continue as we talk about um, you know, being a forgotten hero. And um, well, let's just pray, and then I'll, I'll give a little recap of where we've been um, on that. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for your goodness to us, God. We thank you for your love for us. Thank you for bringing us together this morning. We do pray on this uh, long weekend in our city that those who are traveling, you would give them safe travel, um, and Lord, that uh, you would unite us together, um, all together in fellowship. Um, soon, we're thankful for the fellowship that we get to enjoy today. Uh, we thank you for, for believers in other places who love us and care about us and um, send us barbecue and things like that. So we're thankful, Lord. And Lord, and we remember, um, we just want to remember even now, our brothers and sisters um, all over the world who are um, praising you today. And we ask that you would fill them and bless them, that you would keep them from evil uh, protect them, Lord, and may your gospel go forward um, in power um, all over this world. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've done this series on um, forgotten heroes. We looked at a lot of forgotten heroes um, in the Old Testament, the ones that are not, you know, the kind of the common stories, like even if somebody had, you know, never um, stepped foot in a church service before, a church meeting, they still may have you know, through Hollywood, have seen something about Moses or heard the name or something like that. So those weren't the types of heroes that we were looking at. We were looking at lesser-known um, characters and what we can learn from them. Then we talked about our forgotten God because it's easy to forget God in our lives and to put other things in the priority above God. Um, and then we started talking last week about being a forgotten hero, the reality that most people don't get their name in history books. Um, and even those who do, like very little is actually remembered or known about them. But what we do for the Lord um, impacts eternity, and there's an eternal fruit. There's an eternal fruit in that. Um, and so, forgotten here, but remembered by the Lord and... You know, there, there are people who will be thankful, you know, for um, the work that we have done, you know, in the name of Jesus. And, and that's something I think we just really, really come to grips with, that there are certain things in this world that we, you know, you know we have to do. Um, and we need to, you know, to take care, um, you know, for the, the needs of our families and for those sorts of things. And that's important, um, and, and we, we obviously have to do that. And all, all that we do that isn't sin, we can do for the glory of God and in the name of Jesus. And in that sense, you give value. You give an eternal value to the temporal things. just want to be real clear on that. Like, you clean a toilet just to get a paycheck or just because it has to be done... There's not like an eternal value to that. But you do it for God's glory, because you love God and you love people. That same act now carries with it an eternal significance. And that same thing is true no matter what sort of work that the Lord has you do. The problem, though, is when we start putting work above God and outside of God, when we separate those things out, and we put above, and so... You know, a person who's being a workaholic and doing it just to get more money, that doesn't have any fruit to it. But there's a, there's a, you know, when we're doing things what the Lord wants us to do and doing it His way and doing it for His glory, it gives significance. 
And so we have choices to make there. Of like, You can be doing the exact same thing and you get to decide whether that actually matters or whether it doesn't. Whether it matters or whether it doesn't. A lot of times it's based on perspective and attitude and who it's done for. And when we're doing things for the Lord, then we'll do those things in the right balance. And we won't overdo or underdo what we're supposed to do. Okay? So, um, we talked last week, though, about you know, the, the priority as followers of Jesus to be on mission with Jesus to make disciples, to share the gospel of Jesus and to help people grow in their faith. That's our priority. That's our, our number one mission as followers of Jesus. And that's how we bring God glory. Share the gospel, make disciples. That has eternal fruit. Like you want to, and, now, and here's the bottom line. You want to do something that you just 100% guaranteed has significance? Share the gospel. Share the word of God. You know, help disciple people. Because even if it appears to you that it's not doing that much good, the scripture tells us that his word will not return void. There's power and purpose always in sharing the gospel, even if the ground is very hard. And you don't know when those breakthroughs will come through, so persevere. As we talked about in our study in Romans this last week in our house fellowships, you know, persevere brings forth character, character hope, and that hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God poured out on us. And so now this morning, I want to talk about a, a few other things that will help us to be forgotten heroes. So Acts chapter 2, and it's, you know, it's like, well, let's look at the beginning of the church, what was important to them, because they were given things to help them to be forgotten heroes. You know, and, and again, this is just one of those realities. You know, there are thousands upon, when we, by the time when from Acts starts, you got just, there's 120 in the upper room for prayer. And by the end of Acts, you have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of believers. Very few of their names actually make it into the book, just a handful. Most of them, we don't even know their names or who they were. Now, they're forgotten, forgotten. But there's only a couple, not forgotten by the Lord, though, of course. But there's a couple, though, that, you, that we know more, like Paul. Why do you know Paul? Well, because he tried to destroy the church and then became its greatest missionary. That's why you know him. You know Paul. You may know, you know Barnabas, Peter. There's, some, there's a very few that you will know. Lydia, you know, you'll know her. There's a few that you'll know. But most of them, utterly forgotten. But yet, so important to us because, you know, you don't know where your line of faith traces from. And who shared the gospel with who? <laughs> you know, generation upon generation upon generation in the past. And there's going to be that. Now, if you trace it back, there's going to be a link to the book of Acts. You could trace your faith back far enough between whoever shared the gospel with you and who shared it with them and who shared it with them and who shared it with them. Eventually, you're going to get to Pentecost in the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. Eventually you'll get there. Now, maybe that's one of the cool, I don't know, maybe when we get to see Jesus face to face, maybe that, I mean, we got a long time in heaven because like eternity is forever. So maybe that'll be one of those things you get to do is, you know, you get to see a trace back and see how that played out. That would be pretty cool to see where that web goes. But let's look at some of the things here. So Peter, again, the one who had Denied Christ by the fire the night that Jesus was betrayed and who was restored by Christ, John chapter 20, by the fire on the shore of Galilee. He is transformed and preaches this powerful message 
that could cost him his very life. And by the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that is in him, and he encouraged them to be saved from this perverse generation. Now that's a message that's true, and a lot of people don't want to hear it. But, every, every people without the Lord is perverse. And we have a perverse generation. We, you know, verse 40, be saved from this perverse generation. Generation. My generation, perverse. My parents' generation, perverse. Your generation, perverse. Your children's generation, is going to be what? Perverse. Without the Lord, we go to the base of our human nature, which is sinful. It says in verse 41, Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. So the inward profession, then the public profession, they were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. That's a pretty great day. They went from 120 praying in the upper room to, to over 3,000. That's a good day. Of, that's a good day in, in ministry by anybody's calculations. That's one of the best. In verse 42, though, we want to spend just a little bit of time this morning. Verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. They continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Let's start there. Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What's the apostles' doctrine? Well, it's the same doctrine that Christ gave. Right? Now, you, you, you want to know what doctrine the apostles gave? Well, look at what Jesus taught. You can go Matthew 5-7, through 7, the character of a disciple of Jesus Christ, to see what Jesus expected a disciple of Jesus to look like, and what the apostles expected a disciple of Jesus to look like. And they built on his teachings as they were instructed by the Holy Spirit. So what we have as the apostles' doctrine is in the Gospels and in the rest of the New Testament. Okay? So you want to know what was taught? Well, it's, it's right there for us. Everything we need to know is there. And now we can't disconnect the Old Testament from it because, you know, hundreds of times in the New Testament, the Old Testament is quoted. And a lot of times, you know, people now, it's kind of trendy or popular to say, well, we'll unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. Well, we have to interpret it rightly in its context and know what applies to us and what, you know, doesn't apply to us. What are examples for us and what aren't examples for us. But we can't, you can't just be like, well, we'll just mark that part out. If you don't have the Old Testament, guess what? You don't have the New Testament. If you don't have the law, you don't have the fulfillment of the law. You know, so we have the whole word of God. What, is God. what does God want to tell us? Boom. Word of God. There it is. There it is. In the Apostles' Doctrine. Now this is really important because this is found, foundational. It's given first. They continue steadfastly in the Apostles' Doctrine. Why is, it, why is that first? You've got to have a foundation. Jesus, Jesus said this, um, and at the end of Matthew 5-7, through 7, he says, he who hears my words, he who hears my word and, and does them, is like one who builds his house on a strong foundation. You've got to have a strong foundation to build your life on. The church has to have a strong foundation. Here's the beginning of the church. The church has to have a strong foundation to be built on. Our individual lives have to, have to have a strong foundation to be built on. You know what you shouldn't build, our, what we shouldn't build our lives on? Popular thought of the day. Trendy theology. You know, things that sound good but are contrary to the scriptures. Things that sound good to our ears like, oh, that's nice, I like the way that sounds. Don't build your life on those things because it leads to destruction. Another thing you can't build your life on, your feelings. Like, our, our feelings are important. Feelings are great. 
at least some of the time, <laughs> you know, but our feelings are wishy-washy. Our feelings are, are easily deceived. You know, just try this one on for size. There's a lot of people who are like, you know, I, I really feel because God is good and loving, like everybody will get to heaven. That's a nice feeling. But it's contrary to what our, our, our God's holiness and his justice and what he's told us about himself and how he views wickedness and sin. So, you, you know, that's a nice sentiment. That's a nice feeling. But it goes contrary to everything that is true and good about God. So you have to chunk that and go, nope. Not, can't do it. You know, I, I feel that, you know, how I want to sexually express myself is okay. My feelings. With it. God knows better than our feelings. God knows better than our feelings. He knows that a lot of times our feelings are destructive. You know, because sometimes people, you know what people's feelings want to do? People's feelings want to murder people. People's feelings get full of rage and just want to murder people. You know what we need? The Word of God that says, don't murder. That's the southern version of the Bible, by the way, if you haven't called it. Don't, you know, with contractions and whatnot. Don't murder. Don't be murdering people. That's the southern version. You know, like, that's, but... That's why we need the scripture to tell us right and wrong and what God expects of us and to build a foundation that's built on truth. Be steadfast in the apostles' doctrines and fellowship. Fellowship. Nowhere do we find instructions for individual believers in the church? You know, just you and, and, and God in your own house, you don't, need, you don't need to be part of fellowship. I can't tell me how many times I have heard over the last 20 years, people say, well, you know, I mean, I believe in God. I mean, I, I believe in Jesus and, you know, I just need about my house. I don't, I don't need other people. You know what that is? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Because that's a lie. You know what that lie says? Actually, what that, what that lie is designed for is so that there's no accountability and no safety net and nowhere to catch you when there's temptation. Usually, people, when people say that, they, they don't want accountability. I want to do what we want to do. But want to be able to spiritualize that whole deal. But the scripture tells us fellowship. That we are stronger together. The scripture says things like, you know, a, a cord of three is not easily broken. Fellowship. Fellowship. You know, we need fellowship. Um, we talk sometimes about the, you know, the church. In the church, we, know, we need our relationships to be part of a spider web, like, like a spider web. Not like just one individual string where it's like one person to another person. Because what can happen is, if those people, two people start being a little bit less buddy-buddy, well, then one of them just drops out of the church. Usually the one that doesn't have other ties, right? But when it's a spider web, when you've got multiple points of contact and connection and friendship and fellowship and accountability, then it's not dependent on just one relationship staying great all the time. Because you know what happens in individual relationships? They fluctuate as people get busy, as people you know, have certain seasons of busyness, as people... 
you know, experience a, a life change, a job change or a family change or something like that, then if there's only one connection point, people end up drifting off. So we need in our fellowship to be connected. Do you know what I need when I don't want fellowship? When I just, when you, if you feel this way every time, like, you know, I just want to chill at my house. I don't want fellowship. You know what you need when you feel that way? Fellowship. Because that's the, that's the enemy trying to pull away. Because think about the, the, the scripture says that the enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now, if I'm a lion, and there's a bunch of impala, and Paul's like a type of deer. We saw these in Africa. You know, the deer type creature. If I'm a lion. Am I looking like I'm just going to run into the entire herd? I don't need to do that. There's going to be a straggler. There's going to be a, a one that's off by him or herself. And that's the one that's easy to separate and to destroy. Folks, individually, myself, like, I am weak. When, and especially not in the spirit, I am really weak. So what do you, what do you need? Because guess what? As much as we want to, not every day you're going to be in the spirit. Not every day you're going to be walking in victory. We need fellowship. There's protection in the herd. There's protection in the church of Jesus Christ. Stay closely knitted together so you can't be snatched off and your life destroyed. I've seen that result in all sorts of terrible things, including divorce. You know, don't, don't do it. Don't buy into that law. And don't don't allow don't allow anything to keep you from consistent fellowship. Isn't whatever it is, it ain't worth it. You know, when you count the cost, when you weigh it out, it's not worth it. Somehow, some way, you got to be connected. We got to be connected, and we need to make sure we're making we're doing everything on our part that we can to help people to be connected. It's important. In the breaking of bread is the third one. Here we have breaking of bread. Okay, I think there's a couple different types of breaking of bread talked about in this whole passage. But here we have the breaking of bread. What did Jesus tell the, his disciples to do before he went to the cross? Do this in remembrance of me. Take this bread, take this cup. Now again, Part of that is to keep us oriented. It's, yes, it's remembrance. Yes, it's thanksgiving. But it keeps us oriented to Jesus Christ being our priority. And that we come together to meet to Jesus. To meet with Jesus. To Him and with Him. And for Him. He's primary. All the rest of us, way secondary. We meet to Jesus. I mean, I, I just love for us collectively to have that mindset, like even like during the week, man, can't wait for Sunday morning, you know why? We're going to go meet to, with Jesus, and we're going to remember him, and we're going to like collectively, like yeah, I get to talk to him all the time in my prayers and in the, the songs of my heart, but together, I get to be with my people and talk to Jesus and worship him and remember him together. Breaking of bread. That bread in Corinthians, it teaches us, symbolizes the one body. We take that one loaf and you know we break it, but it's, you know it's we tear little pieces off of it, but it's one body. It reminds us we are one body, and that's just a privilege. It's a privilege that we have, and we should be excited about that.
We should be encouraged about that. That should be like, that should get us a little more pumped up than like the like big game. Like yesterday, some of us got a little pumped up, pumped up to go, you know, chomp some, some, some gator. Right? We got a little pumped up for that. Get, get a little bit looking forward to. What I'm talking about there is anticipation. You know, before the big game, you sit there during the week and you've got anticipation. Man, Saturday. Saturday's coming. You know? All right. What time's it on? What we're going to have for tailgate? What we're going to do to be ready? Like who we're watching with? Like all those sort of things, right? There's anticipation, preparation. So how about is the church... Man, Sunday morning's coming. We get to meet the Jesus and preparation of heart. And man, I, man could, could the Holy Spirit maybe this week request that song that we all need through me? Could the Holy Spirit this week give me a scripture that needs to be read that would be benefit the, the rest of the body? Give me a testimony or a word you know, to share that may be prepared. Looking forward to and prepared and ready to meet with King Jesus. And then in prayers, we see in the early church, we see in the life of Jesus a huge emphasis on prayer. So it's kind of like, well, if Jesus prays, then maybe that indicates something about. Jesus wanted to pray. He's in communion with the Father. You know, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in communion, you know, together. So, you know, nobody's, nobody, had, nobody was twisting Jesus' arm to go pray. This is what he wanted to do. Right? And in the early church, I don't think these people that are having this, you know, experience with God, you know, nobody's having to come and like guilt them. Or, or push them, you know, for prayer, it's like what they want to do. So they continue steadfastly in prayer. So Claire and I were talking uh, this past week, and we're going to be opening up our home more often just for people to come and pray. Just come and pray. Like, whether you can come for 15 minutes and pray or whatever. Just come and pray. Let's just pray. Just come and pray. Not, not a pressure thing. Not a guilt thing. Just, you want to pray? Pray. Verse 43, it says, Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Like, I mean, they... They felt a weight. They had a gravity, a weight of life, of like the things of God and in relation to things of this world and what's important and where their emphasis needs to be. And it says these wonders and signs were done through the apostles. They had this apostolic authority. And then verse 44, it says, Now all who believe were together. Again, there's fellowship. And had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And so we, a couple of things we just have to note here. You know, this is a, this is a unique time um, in the church and this was a, a voluntary thing. Nobody, again, people weren't having their arms twisted of you need to give this money or sell property and give it to the church or whatever it was. People were responding to the Holy Spirit and obedience. And they were sharing what they had. But there is an important lesson to learn here. Important lesson throughout the whole of the Scriptures. Folks, the Scripture tells us that every good and every perfect gift comes from the Father above. From the Father of lights. Whom there's no shadow or turning. Like, He's consistent. Every good gift comes from Him. Like, everything good we have in our lives, any good relationship you have, any good material thing you have, any money in your bank that you have, 
Who gave it to you? The Lord did. Was it, well, I, I worked hard and I earned it. Well, yeah, you may have worked hard in being a good steward of what God gave you an opportunity. But let us remind ourselves that we don't have breath. Like right now you're breathing as a gift of God. You don't have breath apart from God. We don't have a universe apart from God. We don't have this earth apart from God. We have nothing good apart from God. You have, you have, you know, because this whole, like, the self-sufficiency is a big thing, right? You know, and there's part of that where, like, we don't want people just having others do for them what they can do for themselves. Like, I get that. But this whole, like, I'm self-sufficient, got to be real careful whenever you talk like that or have terms like that. Gotta be real careful because there's a pride and an arrogance that can very easily creep in and you can start believing some lies. Because again, without God, we don't exist. We don't have anything. Like we are we are one hundred percent dependent on God. We need Him. We need God. And so we should view everything we have on this earth with open hands, like Lord, it's yours. You've given me stewardship over it. Help me to be a good steward of it. Help me to do with it what is pleasing and honorable in your sight. The problem is when we have our minds change and we start, we think about everything in terms of, of mine, we think in terms of mine and more. But when we think in terms of you know, God and generosity, that's a great place to be just have open hands with everything the Lord good everything good the Lord puts in our hands have open hands don't close the fist open hands so that's just important for us to still have that same attitude I'm not saying that the practice has to look exactly the same because I don't think that that's I mean, that's putting in a, a law that God's not intending to be a law. But the attitude of the heart shouldn't look any different than what we see here. And if it does, then that's, that's a problem in here, with me, or with you, as the case may be. Let the Holy Spirit do His work when it comes to that. And then verse 46, it says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. So, you know, I want to just note this, continuing daily with one accord in the temple. You know, because remember there's over 3,000 of them at this point here in Jerusalem, and, you know, they haven't spread out to take the gospel everywhere yet. And in fact, it's going to take some persecution to get them out. Right? So they're together, and it's probably good that they're together for a period of time as they're building everybody up in their faith for what is to come. There's a certain time that is necessary for that. For that discipleship to take place. And so they met at the, the temple, even though you know that the truth of the gospel isn't being shared by the priests, and they're not actually necessarily even, you know, taking part. You know, they're not. They don't need to take part in the sacrifices and in the other other things like that, you know, anymore. But there are huge, you know, common areas there where they could. You know, there's Solomon's porch. So these massive places that could, you know, would be able to hold this number of people where they could meet together and pray and hear the apostles teaching. And grow together. And that was in a pretty public, you know, it's in a very public place where other people would be going and like hearing what's being said and seeing things. So it was a very public meeting and a very public testimony that they had in that case. But then it also says from house to house, so smaller groups. Now, the hospitality was really needed here. Because remember, a lot of these were, you know, Jewish people or converts to Judaism who lived through throughout um, a large portion of the world, who came to Jerusalem for 
Passover, they would, a lot of times they would come for Passover, and because they're not hopping on a flight to get back home, you're going to stay a while. Like, I'm just telling you folks, like, when it takes you months, and it takes you, or for some people, you know, other people maybe hopped on a boat and crossed the Mediterranean, and it didn't take as long. But if you, you know, if, if you came from Babylon, you're not like, you know, well, we were there for three days, and uh, now we're going to take the next camel train back to Babylon. You're going to stay a while. Because so a lot of times what they would do is they'd come for Passover, and they'd stay until Pentecost was finished. There's 50 days in between. Okay? So, and what they were dependent on was the hospitality of other people. You know, so, I mean, there's a, there's a hospitality that's built into the culture, but there's a hospitality that's built into the early church. Because the believers from other places had to stay with, now, believers who lived in Jerusalem. Before they headed back to what we call Spain, or, you know, back to Egypt, back to Babylon, back to Turkey. And so they would meet together. And they were sharing their bread from house to house. Again, they shared with one another. And they fellowship, you know, together. And it says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. That's a really cool little phrase there that I think we can easily overlook. Simplicity of heart. You know, life wasn't all complicated. Because they knew Jesus... And they knew his mission. And they were going to be part of that mission. Some form or fashion. So life was simplified. And when Jesus is your priority, life is simplified. A lot of times we add in, I I do this, guilty as charged, standing right here before you today, complicate matters. Make things more complicated than they need to be. Simplicity of heart. They gladness. They were thankful and they had simplicity of heart. I mean, they had a they had a peace and a you know with simplicity of heart is really you know they had a peace and a purpose. Peace and a purpose. Praising God, verse forty-seven, and having favor with all the people. At this point, that big persecution hasn't come. They have favor. They're genuine. They're they're genuine and they're generous. Now, sometimes the environment can change. It does here for the early church, where being genuine and generous can get you killed. Get you thrown in prison and get you beaten. Right? But at this point, the atmosphere is conducive. And it says, And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. And that's important. You know, it's the Lord's work. We participate in the Lord's work, but it's the Lord's work. You know, it's not set up to where we get, you know, and, and, um, too much credit when, when people are coming, you know, to know the Lord. What do we need for people to come to know the Lord? Well, you have to have the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You have to have the preaching of the gospel. Scripture says, whosoever will, so you have to have that person humbling themselves and believing in Jesus. Like you, you, you have to have these like multiple elements. The only part we have, pray. These are the parts we have. Pray and preach. Now again, when I say preach, I don't necessarily mean that in a formal, like what I'm doing right now. Pray and preach is, you know, you just, the, the words, it's easy to remember pray and preach. Both start with P. Pray and preach. But really, the idea is you're going to pray and you're going to share. How, you know, and that's going to look different in different contexts and different relationships, different scenarios. Okay? But it's going to be clear Jesus, his death and resurrection, 
the necessity of people to believe in him for salvation. But listen, folks. We need to remember the true church of Jesus is growing every day. Like, today, somewhere in the world, somebody, multiple people, are going to go from death to life. Like, there's a reason to celebrate every day, even if we don't know where, when, what, who. Don't know any of the circumstances, don't know anything about it. You say, praise God, somebody was saved today. Like, I don't believe that there's a day that goes by with 7 billion people on the planet, as many true believers as there are out there sharing the gospel and the Holy Spirit still working, God loving this world, that there's not a day that goes by. There hasn't been a day that I've been alive that somebody hadn't come to believe in Jesus. So there's always something to be thankful for every day. There's always something to be thankful for every day because every day, somebody somewhere has gone from eternal death to eternal life. From damnation to salvation. Like that is a reason to be thankful. Man, you need to remember that. Like tattoo that tattoo that on my eyeballs. You know, or like on my eyelids. So at least I like see it when I close my eyes. So if I close my eyes at the end of the day and I'm it's been a day of frustration, just be reminded somebody got saved today. I mean something. Because we get so, again, caught up on my here and now. So easy to lose sight of such a a huge God. You know, I mean, earlier this week, and and, I mean, again, I'm I'm trying to follow Jesus, but I struggle. You know, in in terms of like, I can be destroyed. Like distracted and things become bigger than they should be. So you know we have this little house that Claire and I um, got. We first got married. Long story short, it turned into a rental house, and it's been big, good, and it's it's a nice little brick house, hardwood floors, and it's cute and everything. People like to live there. It's been been really good. But I got a text earlier this week from Renner saying um, she got one of these little vacuum robots. And it got stuck under the couch. And the reason it got stuck under the couch, because the hardwood floor had like basically popped up in that area to make an inverted V. I mean, it's like this. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a 45 degree angle, practically. This, it's bad. And, so, and several of the boards there are you know, warped. I'm like... Man, we just got those. It hadn't been very long that we just got all those floors refinished and spent money and everything, you know, everything else and go under the house and there's problems and you can't tell where water's coming from because there's not an obvious leak anywhere. And so, you know, all week, my, I mean, my mind, anytime I'm not occupied with something, my mind's going, where's that leak coming from? Like, where's, where's water damage coming from? Like, what do I do? got to do to solve it. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to do this. We got to do that. You got to spend hours underneath this house with a scrub brush. I'm just going to go ahead and be real with y'all. There, there was this cat had climbed in and, like, I guess it was old. I don't know if I should be saying this on, on public. Anyway, like, anyway, here, I'm recording. But this cat had climbed underneath there at some point in the past and died. Like, I think it was old and, like, because, you know, animals, like, a lot of times they'll go off somewhere to die. They'll find a quiet spot. And so, this, this, this animal had gotten into the crawl space and had, had died. And so, you know, I saw there's like, okay, I'm going to have to cut the plastic out there. I'm going to have to roll that up, cut, clean that up or whatever, you know. But let me first go over here and scrub these boards. And so I'm in one of those, you know, like suits. So you can envision me now, like in the, in the Tavik, you know, suit thing or whatever and goggled up and mask and... You know, gloves and spray bottle and, you know, sprayer and scrub brush and everything. And I'm underneath there and I'm scrubbing along and I'm moving along and scrubbing along. And then I look over and that cat's head is like <laughs> six inches from my face. And I'm like, that's gross. We got to remember that he's there or whatever. So all cleaned up now. But my point with that is just, 
you know, they can, something like that can get hit, and then that's all you think about. Like, it, it dominates. And so the question, you know, this morning is like, what's in your, if, is there anything in your head or in your life, in your mind or whatever, that's dominating all your thoughts that takes us away from the, they ate their food with gladness. You might not be as hungry right now. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Okay? They ate the food with gladness and simplicity of heart. You have you know, peace and purpose. Praising God. You know, excited about the church around the world growing in the name of Jesus. You know, and, that, and that's where we have to ask the Lord, like, Lord, turn it off. Like, turn the parts that are so distracted off and, like, help me to focus on what's really important and to be able to put that aside and, like, and to trust you and to trust things that will be solved. You know, the reality is, whatever crisis, whatever problem you have, like, give it a few days. There's going to be a solution or it's going to fade or there's going to be, like, even, like, crisis... The worst part, even if it's a really bad one, is a couple of weeks. Hold on. Now, it's going to go on going after that, but the intensity of it is what I'm talking about there. The intensity of whatever you're going through starts to fade down a little bit unless it's of you know, the most grievous nature. But, the, but the, the things that pop up that bother us like things in the category of the example I gave, it's not going to last. Like the problem's going to get solved. Don't be dominated by it. There's other categories that are much deeper than that. I've experienced those. You've probably experienced those. Those linger. Still have to deal with them. Still have to keep focus on Jesus and move on over time. And to remember that the scripture, just the overarching. In the scripture, that even in our worst circumstances, there are things to praise God for. Even in our worst circumstances. Even when it's really, really bad. Not like there's something wrong with the rental house bad. Things that are really, really bad, there's still things to praise God for. The Lord is adding to his church. Eternity. The Lord's adding to his church. Now, what we want to see is more of that, you know, here in Athens. Pray for the flea market ministry. Pray for one another when you're in your classes. Pray for, pray for one another at your places of, of work, your places where you play ball, um, all the, thing, the extracurricular things that you do in your business, whatever it is. Who are the people there that God's put there? To share Jesus with. Who are the people in the church need to reach out to to encourage, you know, to, to be strong in, in fellowship? <clears throat> to remember to pray and to remember our teaching and our doctrine so that we're not led astray by all the false teaching that is out there. There's never been more. That's, that's another thing I think is true. Never been more false teaching out there. Both within things that call themselves churches and outside in the world. There's never been more false teaching. There's never been you know, as much information available to as many people. There's never been more ways to be deceived. So we have to keep our doctrine steadfast to know it and to be able to defend it and explain it based on what the Scripture says, not on our traditions, not on our preferences, but on what the Scripture says. What does the Bible say? Whatever you experienced, whatever you felt, whatever else, it can't contradict what the Bible says. What does the Bible say? question you need to keep going back and ask again and again and again. What does the Bible say? 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 Go with that. You're not going to go wrong. Go with what the Bible says. So may the Lord help us to discern his word and to use it well.
um, as we should. But we want to see that. We want to see more churches started in this world. We want to see that, that school for girls in Tanzania you know, open. We want to see the work in Mexico expand. Like, we want to see all those things. So pray them into existence. Pray them into existence. That's how it happens in the scripture. You want to see it? Pray it into existence. Pray the vision into existence. Our God is listening. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would help us to pray and to pray faithfully and to pray more and to pray about the things that you care about. And God, please help us to hear your heart for what we should do and help us Um, Lord, just to let our hearts be known to you, we ask that you would hear us, God. And so we ask in the name of Jesus that your your church in this city would grow. We'll hear one hope and everywhere that preaches your gospel. Lord, we pray for the flea market and all the people there who need you. Lord, we pray for the girls in Tanzania on that island, and we pray for this school to open soon. And Lord, we need you to do that. And Lord, we'd like to see so many more churches in, in Mexico and in Central America and around this world of places that need them. And we want to see places, Lord, where it's even illegal to preach your gospel, and we want to see the church there explode. And we thank, we're thankful, Lord, in so many places, people are hungry and they're just begging for somebody to share your truth with them. So, Lord, raise up missionaries, we pray. We ask, Jesus, for your work in us. Lord, forgive me my many sins. As we take this bread and and this cup, convict us, teach us, and help us to remember you in spirit and in truth. For your glory and for your honor, we ask it in your name, Jesus.